Stacey V here, and you're listening to a series of romantic events where I give you my feedback and rundown on a different romance and literature series every two weeks. For our 15th episode, things are going to get a bit Shakespearean as we read the Magic Romance series by Jane Tara. Hello everyone and welcome back to the podcast. It's May already. The year is flying by. I have no idea where it's going and I'm also still not outside as much as I thought I would be in 2021 but you know who is outside? Okay sorry just just a brief moment here. As a millennial I order a lot of food and here recently there's just been like they've been making specific uh, parking spaces for them to park in because they don't want people to block the roads and just being super precautious. You know, we, we have a lot of security guards out there who are moving people out of the way. But for the last five hours, there's been somebody outside just singing. And I'm like, look, okay, I can hear you from the second floor balcony. <laughs> it is 11 o'clock at night. Please stop. There's an instrument involved. Where is all the security that is moving my guys out of the way when they're trying to deliver me food? Where, where are they? Anyway, like I said, it is the Magic Romance series by Jane Tara. So I'd read the first book in this series, which is forecast a while back when I was 16, I want to say 17, somewhere in there. And I, I didn't even know that there were sequels to this book because when I read it, there weren't. Uh, anyway, so I looked it up and there are additional books to this. Now, she already had a strike against her because I feel like we've talked about this before where there's a series of books, but one of the books is not a physical book like it you have to get an ebook there is no choice it only exists in e-form so she had one of those like a a, a nice little point five you know how much i don't like those but it was okay i went into it kind of excited because i love a good you know magic story so it's like okay let's see let's see where we're going and i hadn't remembered much of it from when i read the first book when i was 16 so i was i was looking forward to being pleasantly surprised hmm I will say it had a great start. So that the first book, like I said, is called Forecast. And basically our heroine, she can predict the weather. So every day she would go outside to a whiteboard and write down what she saw, right? So whether or not it was, there was something going down in London, there was something going down in New York, which is where it took place. So she would do the world weather and then she would do specific weather. Great. Wonderful. Um, our hero he was he was an actual weatherman a meteorologist that's what's called and he was the most famous one in new york at the time so he had gone somewhere else to report on a hurricane stood on top of a roof because he thought i don't know optics fell through the roof ended up in the hospital couldn't get back in time to do the weather report fine okay so that's the premise right woman does magical weather man does actual weather ta-da okay so there's this woman in his office that he had dated for a little bit, but he found out that she was too clingy, well, experienced that she was too clingy, and just tried to get away from her. So here she is in this moment, like, okay, like, he's trying to get away from me. I really, really liked him. I don't know why he's breaking up with me, but I can get back at him. Right. So she discovers this weather girl, decides to make her famous by putting her on the news. There you go. Thus in lies the story. Now, we're supposed to fall in love with these two people together. That being uh, Rowie, the, uh, our psychic weather girl, and Drew being the actual weatherman. 
And okay, so my, my issue was that one, they were in two different places, which wouldn't have mattered, you know, cell phones, whatever. But he met her once because he had ultimate authority over who would actually take over the weather for him while he was in his state. Fine. Thought she was beautiful. They had an instant connection. Okay, I get it. Right. And the thing that they always tell you about in these books is that this woman, Rowie, she's a part of the Shakespeare clan, and they all have red hair and they're descendants from Shakespeare's aunt and uh, they all have different powers and you can't really predict how those powers will come out but right now there's only a handful left so we have Rowie, we have her mother and we have her grandmother <laughs> okay before we get into that mess so we get the premise right Th these are kind of like the rules the hard and fast rules and in the Shakespearean family you only have one true love and once you meet him like everything will be blissful da da okay Rowie is special because when she kisses a man, she can see his entire future and who it is he's going to end up with. So for her, she's like, okay, I like a guy. I think he's super cute. But the moment I kiss him, it kind of ruins it, right? Because if you know he's going to marry some guy or some girl or whatever, if, if, if you know he's going to be with somebody else, she doesn't pursue the relationship because why should she? Of course not. So now back to this jealous girl who was really into Drew and just just thought he was going to be great for her even though he made it super clear that like hey this is just a casual thing right <laughs> right and it wasn't okay hires the weather girl she does a great job they have like this weird hiccup in the beginning but it really means nothing this author does a great job of like putting things in the story that you think are going to be useful and then just kind of I don't know if she forgets about them I don't know if she does I have no idea anyway so she like flubs up for the first five seconds of her first broadcast and then she gets up and predicts the weather so wasn't a big deal at all it was a big deal for about an hour and she packed up all her stuff and well you know I'm, I'm so glad you guys gave me the opportunity but I flubbed it up clearly and then it turned out all of her predictions were correct as we all knew they were so the, the reels are kind of lackluster but I got the point she had met Drew that one time and then she called him after she flubbed up like that and he said oh no you're doing a great job I think you're doing a wonderful job because he thought she was gorgeous which I believe it and so she continues to do the weather her numbers keep going up he keeps not getting better you know taking a little bit longer with his leg that he obviously broke when he fell through a ceiling he then gets some weird like chakras done some acupuncture done they bring in a lot of people to fix him and the next day his leg is fixed and he flies back home now they meet each other for real this time because they're in the same location. And this is, it's kind of like the thick of the book where they meet each other and they decide that like, oh, wow, instantly we have this great attraction to each other. We're going to be together. And so they spend the weekend. We find out he lives on a boat. We find out that he has a dog and the dog's name is Norm, which becomes relevant in the second book for some reason. Fine. The dog's name is Norm and his dad was a sailor and his mother is dead. And then we, we just get this really nice weekend that they spend together, right? They make out on that Friday after the party of him coming back to the show. She finds out they have a meeting for her on Monday. So she's like, great, like, I'm going to leave the show. Drew's going to have a show back. I'll have my own show. It's going to be great. They spend all together Saturday. They spend all day together Sunday. And then on Monday, they get to the office. Now, of course, right? It's, it's one of those things where, like, it was so easily predictable that even me saying, like, oh, yeah, they call her into the office after they decide they're in love with each other. What do you think is going to happen? Obviously, she gets offered the job and he's like, oh, wow, like you did this behind my back. She says, no, I didn't. Yes, you did. It's just it's it's this weird level of conflict that I don't think was necessary. Right. Because obviously I didn't know anything about this. And why would you believe that I did know something about this when I'm just as shocked as you are sitting here shocked while you're shocked? 
And then she takes the job, which I agree with him, right? Like you were just, if you were comfortable doing the weather on the side of the sidewalk, why would you take my job? That makes no sense. Fine. Their romance aside, because I was okay with it, right? It was, it was low level. It was okay. Fine happily ever after for them my issue was with the mother right so her name was Lilia I think I'm saying that right the mother's name was Lilia this is Rowie's mom also redhead also Shakespearean apparently it's a matriarchal line so if your last name is Shakespeare and you're a woman then your daughter's last name would be Shakespeare because it goes down by the mom okay so Lilia 30 years ago however old the kid is she meets this guy at a party. It's a masquerade. He's wearing a mask. She's wearing a mask. She thinks, oh my goodness, like, this is my guy. Because they automatically know. Shakespearean woman. Fine. I'm okay with it. This is my guy. I like him so much. He also has this connection. They touch hands. Oh, it's so great. They're making out. They go back to, like, a hotel room or something in their mask. Um, They they, they have an encounter <laughs> in their mask. Which, I mean, if you know me, I, I, I love a good extravagant mask. I couldn't even... I couldn't imagine especially since the idea is that it covered so much of their face that they couldn't recognize each other I mean okay turn on I guess Ugh. anyway they have an encounter an unprotected encounter and then she wakes up the next day now question does she a lift up her mask or lift up his mask or ask him his name or think hey we had an unprotected encounter maybe something happened any of that does any of that happen no 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 she she takes a moment and says if the fates want us to be together we're gonna be together okay so she does this and she walks away from the entire situation and I'm like okay but what does that even mean right I, I spent most of the book thinking to myself what does that mean the if the fates wanted you to be the fates put you guys together right then and there all you had to do was say hey hi <laughs> howdy ho and then she got pregnant had the baby and so here we are 30 years later now of course there is resolution to this but my point is the girl is 30 right the author does this weird thing of like kind of glossing over things that have severe trauma attached to them right are you telling me over 30 years this girl never asked like hey what about my dad like everyone else has dads a daddy daughter dance and I, I don't know driving you the prop just anything right at no point does she have this weird like absence of fatherhood or like blame her mom or like have any sort of resentment because I would have resented the crap out of my mother hello crazy but no, nothing, nothing. And then when the problem is resolved, everyone's just okay. No one's mad. No one's upset. There are no feelings whatsoever. They are the most well-adjusted and quickly adjusted family I have ever seen. And that is my only like negative feedback about that. I'm going to let that go. Fine. The next issue I have is that this book establishes rules, right? And we've talked about this before, right? If you tell me, Stacey, they're going to be vampires. You now need to tell me what does that mean, right? What does it mean to be a vampire? Now, you told me what it means to be a Shakespearean witch or psychic, however it is you want to frame it, right? These are the rules. You have one person. Um, when you when you meet that person and first fall in love with them, your powers are blocked temporarily while your body's adjusting to being around them all the time. Fine. Those are your rules, not mine. Got it. So the book ends, of course, they end up together. Okay, this leads us to our next huge red flag that we always talk about, which is when I can't find the correct order. I went to Jane Tara's site. She goes, you can read them in any order, Stacey. <laughs> wow. Wow. The, the lies are never ending. 
she said read them in any order. Goodreads has one order. Amazon has another order. At this point, I'm like, okay, fine. I know Forecast came out first. That one I know. So the next book I read was actually uh, Spell, uh, what is it? Trouble Brewing. Now, turns out Trouble Brewing is not book two. Book two is actually Hamlet's Ghost and then Trouble Brewing and then A Very Fairy Christmas. But I'm going to go through it in the way that I read it. Um, but I'm glad that I know now. I will be, Goodreads will be getting my email as they did the last time this happened. <laughs> anyway, so we pick up Trouble Brewing. And the one thing they told us about in Forecast is that there are not many Shakespearean witches last because some of them were burned at the stake. Like, it's, it's hard to continue a hard to continue a witch bloodline is, is, is what I got from this. They tend to um, die viciously. All right. So we find out that the Shakespearean women that we were talking about who lived in New York have one set of cousins who live over in London. Trouble Brewing is about one of those cousins. Her name is Calypso and her guy is going to be Taryn. So Calypso's power is to be able to mix a drink that kind of addresses whatever it is you need. You walk up to her, you say, hey, I need a drink. She says, oh, yeah, yeah. The girl who scorned you was Mary and this drink is going to help you get through it and move on with your life. Nice. It was a super good premise. I really like that, that she was able to, you know, kind of give somebody a chocolate, whatever, or, you know, some sort of drink that would help out. But She's also a huge travel body. So what we got from the first one, uh, from the first book, she was not, she was a homebody. Rowley was a super homebody. Calypso is the exact opposite of this. She just travels all the time and then she'll come back to her bar that she owns, which is Calypso's cauldron, where she makes these drinks. So she travels all the time, Paris, London, whatever, back to America to see her cousins. They try to stay close. Fine. She makes these drinks. Now, so here she comes, she pops up. And by the time we meet her, she's already at the cauldron, which is when I realized that this is the third book and not the second, but it's fine. Anyway, so she pops up, she's at the cauldron, her dad comes in, nice, he's a really um, tall, built guy, redhead as well, nice guy, relevant later on. Okay, she's making these drinks, and everybody's like, oh wow, like you're back, her mom shows up, her sister shows up, ugh, a mess there. Her sister shows up, who is also a redhead, like the Shakespearean women are, um, but she's shorter, has a few more pounds on her, and she doesn't really use her gifts as much. Her mother, whose name is Batty, Bettina, I think it is, um, she's also a witch, because, you know, Shakespearean women, red hair. Okay, so she's making these drinks, and everyone's just kind of questioning her, because she left New York, like, super early we don't know what happened her mom suspects it was a guy we all suspect it was a guy she shows up she pops up okay everyone is kind of on eggshells walking around her what's going on why 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 does she come back so suddenly her mom knows it's a guy we're not really sure how to approach this with her because she cuts everybody off okay next thing we know the guy in question his name is Taryn or Tehran however you want it we're we're gonna say Tehran he pops up through the door and says hey do you have a drink for an old friend because when they had spent time together in New York she had mentioned something about her bar and of course he showed up to the bar which becomes an of course in the beginning well becomes an of course a lot later but here I'm like okay of course he did so he shows up you have a drink for an old friend she's like what is he doing here her mom is of course like oh like this is gonna get interesting the dad is like good maybe you can finally land on something because this is getting on my nerves they hang out together. They have encounters, of course. And then she tries to kick him out, right? Like, okay, well, this has been fun, but you got to go. And he's like, oh, like, where are you going? Like, I thought you just got home. Oh, no, I didn't tell you. Like, I'm going to Paris. So she packs a bag, hightails it off to Paris. In the meantime, we learn about her sister, who's currently working at this romance museum, and she's super interested in that. But 
her gift is kind of finding lost things. So you walk up to her and you're like, oh, you know, you like pat yourself as you do. And she's like, oh, yeah, your keys are on your nightstand or whatever. Great. So here she is working in this romance museum. And the guy, the owner is this 70 year old man who's like super lonely and misplaces things. And she's there to help him out. She gets a separate job offered to her by her grandmother. It's just, there's a lot of chaos here. Her other grandmother left her something in the will. The owner of the romance museum finds this box. The owner of the other museum she gets a job at finds another heirloom. There's this weird cryptic message that's left for her. I'm like, okay, but are we going to tie up all these loose ends? Like, I definitely thought this was about Calypso. I'm cool with having Nell's story because Nell was a super interesting character, whereas Calypso just seemed like a different version of Rowie from the first book. But no, <laughs> that doesn't happen. I, I don't want you to get too excited. She meets the new guy at the new museum she's working at, young guy. And they've already made it clear in the past two romances that when you meet a guy, you have this instant connection. You know, you guys are meant to be together. It's so nice. It's lovely. And she doesn't feel that. She just kind of, you know, shakes his hand, thinks he's a nice guy. She asks him out a little bit later in the novel. And that's it. So I'm like, so is he not the love of her life? Is she going to meet him later? Does this guy become that? Oh, okay. Then then there's a side story about Calypso's mom and dad. I told you he's a really bit built redhead and then his um his his wife is a shorter redhead cuz she's a Shakespeare. Okay. So she had been serving drinks at her own location when he walked in and she said, "Hey, is there anything I can get you?" and he said, "Uh, you." And she said, uh, "To drink." So, I mean, this this was a great page. I, I that was the best part of the whole novel. And uh, and she said, "Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> to drink." And he said, "Oh, yeah, I want a pint." And she said, but don't worry, you know, if, if if I'm also available, if you're still interested, I'm like, oh, whoa, okay, oh, oh okay, flashback scene. It was, it was a great scene. And they, they had like a really solid love story that I was interested in and invested in. But it gives you this weird like side story of Betty thinking that, B- Betty thinking her husband is cheating and uh, here are all the signs and he's never cheated on me yet. And he was a super loyal person. And then we get into... We get into her husband's mother's backstory of how she didn't want him to marry Batty and how she knew that all men were cheaters. And for some reason, her son was loyal. It's just, there's just a lot of side stories going on, which one more time, I wouldn't mind, but I thought this was Calypso's story. All right. So now we're back to Calypso, who is now actively in Paris. And she apparently has friends everywhere, which I believe if she's traveling like this, fine. She has friends everywhere. She stays with them. And then she sets up uh, shop in their bars to do these, th- you know, her, her side show of, I know what's wrong with you. Here's a drink. Okay. So she sets up her little station and then he walks in, right? You got to drink for an old friend. You know, it's, it's, it's his thing. And I immediately, the first thing I'm thinking is like, okay, <laughs> one time is all right, right? Like you left New York, you showed up in London. So you left New York and you showed up in London, but then she left London and showed up in Paris. And then you left London and showed up in Paris. And we find out that he was really moving to London and had a business set up there. And he knew that she was there. So that's why that, that, that was the initial, like, Hey, this is where I'm going. So that, that one wasn't as crazy, but this we're, we're hedging because at this point I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to keep running behind you to different countries. This is ridiculous now. Okay. She says, all right, okay, fine. So she makes him a little drink and they have their encounters as they do. Then it's over. 
And he says, hey, you know, go ahead and give me three days. And she's like, um, I don't know about three days. And slowly we start hearing about this other guy that she was interested in. His his name was Scott. And they were married to each other, if, if I'm not mistaken. And it was a pretty serious relationship. So they might as well have been married. But I'm positive they were. So this was about three years before that. She had been married to this man named Scott. And he was super adventurous. And they would always travel. And he was such a great guy. But he would live life on the edge. You know, skydiving, scuba diving. Which to me, I was like, well... I mean, he wasn't fighting sharks in water, but uh, oh, okay. Anyway, so anyway, so we're living life on the edge, and this is what he was. But you know, you know, he burned too bright, and that was his problem. So you you have these two kind of like battling things, right? Tehran, who's thinking like, oh, he left her. Why would anybody leave her? That's crazy. And the rest of the audience who's like, oh, wow, like this must be a Blades of Glory story, you know, where she was with him and they were doing something crazy together and he died, but she didn't. No, no. So we're still in Paris with the friends and the drinking and the ah, ha, ha, it's so great. Three days. So during one of their encounters, he's like, hey, if we're going to finish this, you're going to have to promise me three days. So she does. And then he wakes up and she's gone because it's what she does. And he goes back to her parents' bar and it's like, hey, she left Paris. Do you know where she would have gone? Yes, I do. She's gone to Vienna. So he goes to Vienna. I'm like, oh no, we are not. I'm not, I am not chasing you all over the world. Like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. She's shocked, of course, again, and says, oh, wow, like you're here again. Yeah, you told me three days. Well, it's two now because, of course, she took one day to travel and now she's doing weird math. Fine. So two days. So they spend the two days together. So my problem mostly with this character is like she is just not trying to be had. And he may be some sort of witch himself, but it's a certain point like you've just got to give up the ghost. Like she just she was too flim flammy for me to like root for her and say you know what she really is super hurt especially here we are 80 percent of the book and i'm, I'm gonna spoil this piece because it just made me really mad you find out that after we've done all this mess about scott and like how how adventurous he is and how how wow he's such a daredevil he's done all this stuff the man died going outside to get ice cream he got the ice cream turned around and got hit by a car and i'm like so why did we care why was it important that i needed to know that he was a daredevil and and that he lived life right on the edge and that that was his problem because clearly living life on the edge was not his problem that had nothing to do with him dying okay all right and even teron had to be brought around to oh no 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 he didn't he didn't leave me he's dead he left me early and then, of course, the book starts, like, rewriting its own rules, which was <laughs> astounding. So now she says, oh, well, you know, I, I really thought that we couldn't have more than one love. And then her mom says, oh, no, no, no. Those are just legends. Those aren't real things. Okay. And, and I thought we couldn't use our powers when we first met our loves. Well, that's also just a legend. I'm like, look, okay. Look, look madam, we're only two books in. If you want to start rewriting rules, a, a, a good sequel takes the rules that you've already established and tries to create other boundaries while existing inside of that world. That's that's my only thing. It wasn't awful. It was just kind of, you don't get to backtrack. You, you wrote a book. And if you want to write a different book, write a different book. But right now, these are these be the rules. Anyway, so now... We get that lovely piece of he died in a car accident. Okay. She finally accepts that, you know what? I am going to go for this. I do want to be with him. I do deserve love. So now you think, perfect, they're going to be together. Wrong. Wrongo bongo. Because 
the book just has to book now. So now we find out that her father has a melanoma. So he has cancer. And we're dealing with that piece. And she's like, oh, no, you know what? I know what it was like to lose somebody. I don't know why I almost let myself forget what it was like to lose somebody. So I can't be with you. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here reading this like, of course you can't. Because that would just make so much sense. So she leaves it again. Again. And she goes to take care of her father. And of course, she's still thinking about him because, oh, my God, I love him. And he's so great. And we're meant to be. And yada, 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 yada. All right. So by the time she finally comes to her senses, she shows up to his apartment. And he has another woman in the room. And I'm like, you know what, sir? Good on you. Proud of you. Proud of you. Because this should have been months ago. <laughs> way back. <laughs> way back. Way back. Playback. Because this is ridiculous. And she's, and now she's mad. Oh, my goodness. You had somebody else in your room? I mean, I guess I shouldn't expect you to wait for me. You mean after you walked away 12 times? Yeah, <laughs> kind of hard to expect. They end up together. My point is, I just found it super hard to root for these relationships that she wants me to root for. That's my point. That's it. That's 100% it. Do you think we got more information about Nell and whether or not she actually fell in love with the guy? No. Did we get more information about these all of this unobtainium and secret boxes and amulets that you think are going somewhere? No. Now, I hear what you're saying, Stacy. that was the last book in the series, so maybe she's writing another one. Maybe she's going to tie up all these loose ends. But what it really feels like is when you have those shows where something is supposed to be the season finale, and it ends up being the series finale, and you think to yourself, well, you played yourself, right? You left me off a cliffhanger, but now there's nowhere to pick it up because the show didn't get picked up. Whatever. Okay. So that, that, that was my biggest issue there. And then when we moved on from Forecast to Trouble Brewing, which was about the Shakespeare sisters, the third book, um, well, at least the third book I read, which was a very, very Christmas, was this, you know, this kind of one and a half book. And like I said, it was an ebook, which don't love. It was a weird ride. <laughs> oh my God, what? So A Very, Very Christmas is about this 50-year-old woman who finds out that she's half fairy when her mom is like super close to death. So she's 50. Her mom, I want to say her mom is like mid-70s, something like that. Her mom starts getting her nails done and starts wearing lipsticks while she's in the nursing home. And she just happens to mention, hey, so your dad's a fairy. I just want to make sure you know that. And now, of course, the daughter goes classically, oh my goodness, you cannot use that word to, to, to describe a homosexual. And she's like, I didn't. He really is a fairy. And of course, we have our lovely, oh, there's no such thing as fairies. Fine. She owns her own bookstore. And it goes through this weird meta moment of the bookstore reads like the, the the ones that they do for the book club are the books in the series which I don't understand we haven't talked about Lindsay Sands yet but she does a really good job of this where you understand that the books do exist inside of the universe but they exist inside of the universe because one of the main characters is an author and he's writing the love stories of his family members which is why it makes sense that they would exist in this moment I have no idea why these books <laughs> would exist in the universe but you just kind of shrug it off and move on okay i read forecast did you how who wrote it please tell me anyway so she finds out that her father was a fairy which makes her half fairy and so now you're thinking oh, okay cool like we're really getting moving here the uh the, the therapist to her mother is super hot guy he's also in his 50s he likes her she likes him she finally decides that she's going to go for it because her mom is convincing her because it's only 100 page book her mom convinces her like yeah like you should probably go look for your father i know i told you he was dead yeah he's not so 
go look for him. So she and the therapist end up over in um, um, the the brewery that we were talking about in the last book, the Trouble Brewing Brewery. They end up over there. And now, of course, the Shakespeare's are going to help them find her father, which, okay. So they end up in a cabin somewhere else, <laughs> um, out in the forest, looking for the fairies. She doesn't believe any of this, right? No such thing as fairies. I, I have no idea what they are, and I've never believed this far, and my mother could be making up anything. And she kind of goes down this Alzheimer's route of, my mother has Alzheimer's, that's what it is, and doing this slight research about that, because of course she would, right? Who would first think... Know what you write. She probably they probably are fairies, and an eighty year old is the one who's telling me this now. So I had no problems with that. And uh, so anyway, so her name was Paige. So Paige is doing all this research, then switches over to doing fairy research. And in the middle of nowhere, a book shows up in her in in her shop on a shelf. She's trying to read it. She doesn't understand the language. She takes it over to the Shakespearean girls. They're able to kind of sort of interpret it. And saying that, oh, okay, yeah, it's just a picture of your dad who's the fairy king and your mom and yourself, which I'm like, okay, but we already knew he was the fairy king, so why does that matter? Okay, they take her out into the forest, the uh, the fairies show up and say, yeah, we already know that she's the daughter of him, um, but she won't be able to see us until she's ready. Okay, they go back to the cottage they were staying in, she has this weird recollection of when she was five and was hanging out with her dad, and in that recollection she remembers that she is a fairy, and she remembers seeing her dad, and then her dad shows up, and you'd think, like, my problem (laughs) is that I just really, I, I want so much more. I just, I expect so much more emotion from the moments, like when the dad shows up, and you're thinking, oh wow, like, that this this is a big moment for her. He's gonna hug her. She's gonna hug him back. And you know, wow, like it's so nice to see you. I remember seeing you all the time. I can't believe I forgot something like that. Nope, he nods. She nods. He turns and says, "Yeah, I'll always be around as long as you're looking for me." And then, on his way out, she sees her mother in her twenties grab his hand and walk with him. And then she blows a kiss to her. And I'm like, okay. Then she finds out her mom is dead and I'm like okay it's it's one of those things where the author's just gotta like have it a good time which I don't mind I do not look man have all the fun you want but I want to have fun too so you're gonna have to explain this to me so is her mom dead is the death her going to the fairy world did he get her before she died do you not die if you're a fairy it nothing was clear nothing was wrapped up she ends up with the therapist which is good and her daughter who's like in, in her own 30s and has a problem with her husband that she thinks has left her for a yoga instructor we we never clear that up she's told everybody that he's at a conference but he's definitely left her for a yoga instructor and no one okay that story's not resolved the granddaughter knows she's a fairy so yay I just I, I keep waiting for things to tie up is is my is my only feedback of this book like I was I was excited it was nice it was cute I love a good older love story but I just I, I kind of wish that sometimes when she leaves open-ended things that they would close that's it 
all my love. Um, that's, that's, that's the feedback. So that, that was a really short ebook. And it, it basically connected because in Trouble Brewing, there was this scene where Calypso did pick up a jar of fairies. And uh, like it was an entire universe of fairies. She picked it up and moved it out into the forest behind her house, which is the same forest they used, which is why the two books, you know, are, are connected, even though it's not technically about the Shakespeare's or anything they have going on. But it is about the fairy world that they touched on in uh, the Trouble Brewing book. So the last book I read, which I then found out was the second book in the series, is Hamlet's Ghost. Now, this book was, it was good. It was weird. I understood what she was trying to do, right? Because you're telling me a Shakespearean story. So the last book is about a Shakespeare play, which, all right. Well, second book is about a Shakespeare play. So, all right, hats off. So Shakespeare's, well, Hamlet's Ghost is about a town called Hamlet woman shows up thinks it's super great and and it happens to be from trouble brewing the hero's sister shows up in hamlet the book starts out we have this guy who's performing in hamlet he owns the theater he's performing in and a patch of the roof falls on him and kills him all right no problems our troubles brewing sister Starts out the book and she walks in on her best friend having an encounter with her boyfriend who she wasn't in love with anymore, which is why the best friend thought it was okay. And I'm like, it's never okay. I don't know why these books just one more time glazing over trauma. This is all a problem. Why are we all okay right now? Fine. She walks in on them, decides this is not it. I'm leaving both of you. No, never again. Her best friend, Victoria, is like, no, 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 no. Like, you got to forgive me. Like, we're besties. I thought we were besties. I'm like, "Mm, best friends don't do that. Thank you. Next. So she walks away. And that's that's when she runs into um, this town, right? So she goes to stay with her brother for a little bit, goes for a drive, needs gas, pulls over inside of Hamlet. This is 20 years after the guy had been killed on the stage. The whole place is boarded up. She gets this strike of inspiration that she needs to open up this theater and kind of bring it back to life. That's the premise. Cool. Great. Everyone in the town agrees with her. She goes inside and that's when the weird stuff starts happening. So the ghost shows up. Perfect. He looks like a real person. He's walking like a real person. There is no kind of weirdness that shows off that he's a ghost which is interesting because in our first forecast book we can see that ghosts literally are just kind of floating around so if your point is is that they have this option to kind of stand up and be visible and be seen in a certain way I have a lot of questions about the grandfather from the first book who is actively trying who's just not doing that fine fast forward so he is performing or you know basically making her think that that he owns the place because he did when he was alive and she finds him super attractive he's devastatingly handsome his eyes are super intense and she's like wow like who are you you know i own the place great i want to rent it out okay i mean i'll see what i can do and then she goes and tries to put everything in place she gets the place you know approved and then she's telling people like hey like i met the owner and it just so happens that the owner is the son and they happen to look like twins or whatever and they, they just wear their hair differently so she has no idea. <laughs> Thus begins this weird cycle of her flirting with the actual living son and her flirting with the dead dad and her not knowing the difference between the two and the son not knowing that his father is haunting this uh, this theater. So he doesn't know what's going on. So he thinks she's crazy. She thinks he's acting like two different people. And at a certain point, it's just kind of like, okay, but like, where's the romance? Because I, 
I find myself being more confused than actually getting the love that I came here for. And I can tell you it occurs over about maybe 10 pages where they actually are getting together or progressing in their relationship. And the relationship is actually just progressing between her and the dad, which I'm also fine with, right? If your point was like, oh, he's going to cross between the veils or whatever, come back to that. I don't know. But to, to say like, no, see, she thought they were both attractive, but She's going to get the son because he's better. Still weird. You were hitting on my dad and like you tried to get him to go out with you. And then he was hitting on you. I mean, I get that he's dead, but kind of weird, right? A little weird. And we find out that the reason that he didn't cross over is that he feels like he was cursed. And it was in the middle of his Hamlet uh, um, monologue. And so he has to put on the play. So anyway, so so the entire book is about her trying to rebuild this theater and also put on Hamlet but also while she's falling for the son slash the father slash not knowing which one is which the father realizes this and then we find out that he was doing it on purpose just to mess with her which awful a little bit and that ghosts can do this thing called dazzling where you don't actually realize that they're ghosts and they try to make themselves look solid in order to mess with you also awful And then when she finds this out one more time about the trauma and how people aren't reacting like normal people, instead of her, you know, being upset, being furious, like, oh my goodness, like your son thinks I'm crazy. I'm going to leave. They have this whole like heart to heart. And I realized that he's just lonely and he didn't, you know, what is he supposed to do? He hadn't talked to somebody in 30 years. Yes, all of that is true, but it's also awful. Can you please give him feedback? And, And I'm not saying yell at him or, you know, take him to task, but there should be some sort of emotion behind someone just lying to you and someone else thinking you're crazy and she's about to lose her lease on the place. Nope, no emotion. Oh, wow. That sucks, doesn't it? It's crazy. No. Mm-mm. So, overall, for all four of the books, like I said, it, it, it was a interesting story, right? There was a very good premise of Shakespeare and then Shakespeare, uh, and then the fairies from the Shakespeare. But the issue I was having is that overall, there were these moments where things just should have had more of a punch of, I've never had a father. You are my father. My mother is awful. Or, oh, wow you keep leaving me. I'm not going to deal with this anymore. I'm leaving now, right? Because that guy definitely from, um, um, from the brewery, he definitely should have given her something like said something. I was proud that he left her, but he should have said there should have been some sort like, I'm not saying go off, but it was like these people only had emotions when things were positive. <laughs> there, there were no negative emotions. No, it's it's all right. Don't worry about it. And then also the powers thing was kind of weird where I feel like it was convenient for when it was convenient. Uh, prime example, if we go back to Trouble Brewing, in the middle of that, there was this ghost who only stayed inside of um, her parents' brewery, right? Was always there, Eden. And Eden would talk to, you know, the guests and be annoying, whatever. So one day, our two main characters go over to a different cottage and Eden pops up and you're like, but I thought the rule was that ghosts can't leave where they are and that they stay in one place. And then Eden says, well, I'm watching you guys. I'm like, but, but if you're trapped, then you're trapped, right? Are, are some ghosts not trapped? How, how does that work? And then later on, you find out that Eden is needed to go to a whole different dimension so that these two can get free. And I'm like, okay, so how, but how, how, 
please tell me how this ghost thing works, right? In the first book, the granddad is there, but he, you know, he's there on occasion, you know, goes away, flows through dimensions just fine and freely. But in Hamlet's Ghost, it's all about him crossing over, period. And you'll never see him again. I'm like, okay, but a ghost is a ghost is a ghost is a ghost, right? I mean, you know, what rules are we following? Because say what you want to about Danny Phantom, Danny Phantom had rules. And I understood them hard and fast. This is like... Whatever game you want to play, Stace. No, it's your game. You tell me the rules, <laughs> please. Um, I'll probably keep forecast because I thought that that book was really good as far as, oh, she, she can tell the weather, but then the boyfriend shows up and so she can't tell the weather anymore. And she has this weird moment of like, Ugh, I wish she just leave because the further away from me he is, the, the easier I'm able to connect to whatever it is that tells me the weather. Makes sense, dog hunts. But he would just keep showing up and I'm like, hilarious so I would keep that book but the rest of them I found myself just being more annoyed with like the way the characters were interacting and and the way that they were reacting to things just the the weirdness I gotta say the trauma thing is 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 the worst thing on my part I'm I'm not I do not condone cheating at all but there was a lot of cheating where you're like okay like especially in the very very christmas where she goes oh yes um your father used to cheat on me all the time he slept with a lot of different women and it was awful so i left him okay cool makes sense to me and then i died and so i went back to him okay but but did you guys have like an agreement and and then when she dies he says oh did you want it to just be you and she says yes and he says okay It'll just be you from now on. <laughs> I'm like, well, if that was that simple, then, then if things were that simple, the entire premise of the book wouldn't exist. So that's it. That's, that's my, that's my major part of the feedback of where I'm just like, okay, I'm over it through done. But it's, it's an interesting read. If, if you're into witches and fairies and all that kind of stuff, um, I will say it wasn't my favorite witches book. It wasn't my favorite fairies tale. It wasn't my favorite only because of the rules and just not sticking hard and fast with them. But you want to read them? Take a chance. Go for it. And I will see you back here in two weeks when we read the Single Moms Second Chance series by Steph Ann Holm. <laughs>